Welcome to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. Together, we will journey through self-discovery and fulfillment in life. Here's your host, Jan Jones. Well, hello there, and welcome to The Good Good Life. I am your host, Jan Jones, and I truly am happy and thrilled that you are joining me today, that you are tuning in, and more than anything, that you are really learning how to enjoy this good, good life, even amongst all the chaos and the trials and the stress, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, listen, I'm right there with you. I feel it. Life can get heavy, but we are today going to kind of continue the conversation from what I started last week. And I will get into that in just a moment, but First, I want you to say this loud and proud. And of course, if you're in a space that you can't say it loud and proud, then just scream it in your head. You know where I'm going. I am awake, alert, alive, enthusiastic, because I sure am for many, many reasons. Number one, I'm here with you. Number two, for me, it is a Friday. I don't know when you're listening to this, but Fridays are always a fun day, right? It's right at the beginning of the weekend. So speaking of the time and the day of the week, we are going to be talking about procrastination, breaking the chains of delay, conquering the procrastination paradox. Yes, that's a mouthful. You know, I want you to think of something as you are kind of decompressing right now and as you're taking that deep breath in, yeah, let it out. We are going to continue to take a little more control of our life, of our time. We're going to realize that we're not perfect, but we're going to do everything that we can to just achieve excellence. And by really recognizing areas that we procrastinate and learning what this paradox is in our life, I think that it is just going to help you further with that time management that we were talking about last week. But I want you all to think of this. I read this somewhere and I thought, wow, this is so funny because it's true. And y'all know I I love a good joke. Um, I think I miss my calling to be a stand-up comic. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not anywhere near talented enough to be a stand-up comic. But here's what I read. I know I go off on these little tangents. But procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. Yeah, I read that and I thought that is so funny, but it's so true. All right, so let's dive into this because as usual, I have a lot that I want to share with you. Um, Every time I get to be with you, it really helps me as well. I, I, I just think of topics that I'm interested in or, you know, things that people have shared with me that they want to learn more about. And by the way, I would love to hear from all of you. You can always reach out and tell me some things that you might like for me to talk about. But there was a paradox that 
I mentioned in last week's show about time management. And we were all about mastering the clock, right? So what I said last week was in today's world, it is both easier and harder than ever to achieve extraordinary productivity. So it was all about that technology. That same technology that makes us more productive can also destroy our productivity. And if you will recall, really time management, and I talked about this last week, so I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. If you missed it, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. But um, time management is not about getting everything done. It is about getting the most important things done. And for every one of you, for me, that is different. And we have to be able to determine what that is. So there's that paradox, right? That we have all this great technology, all these tools, all these apps, all these ways to communicate, yet it can make us more productive, but it can also destroy our productivity. And there's also a procrastination paradox. So let me just tell you a little bit about that and what I'm talking about. This term, procrastination paradox, refers to the contradictory and counterproductive nature of procrastinating behavior. It highlights the irony that individuals often delay tasks or actions that would ultimately benefit them, leading to negative consequences, such as increased stress, missed opportunities, and a decreased overall well-being. So isn't it ironic, and that's the paradox, that People can put things off, but it actually is leading to negative consequences. So the paradox lies in the fact that while procrastination may provide temporary relief from immediate discomfort or effort, it often results in long-term negative outcomes. People who procrastinate tend to experience heightened stress levels as deadlines approach, and the quality of their work may suffer due to these rushed efforts. Moreover, the the procrastination paradox, it extends to the missed opportunities for personal and professional growth. So by delaying these important tasks, and I'm going to refer to last week's show one more time, we talked about how we determine what is most important, and I gave you a couple of acronyms. The MIT, right? The most important tasks are your WIGs, your wildly important goals. But by delaying these important tasks, You really may hinder your progress, limit your achievements, and you're going to create unnecessary obstacles on your way to success. So I felt like it was really important to talk about 
this paradox that lies within procrastination, it may give us a little bit of immediate relief, but we're avoiding these wildly important goals. We're avoiding the actions that actually may get us where we really want to be. So understanding the procrastination paradox is crucial for people looking to overcome this behavior by recognizing the self-defeating cycle of delay and addressing the underlying causes, you can break free from the paradox and adopt more productive habits that lead to better outcomes. And the cherry on top is you have a more fulfilling life. Now, who out there does not want a more fulfilling life? I would venture to guess that we all want that. I mean, every day we want to be more fulfilled. We want to be contributing to this good, good life that we are all so blessed to be a part of. So that's why I felt like this topic of procrastination was really important. Now, if you will recall, and I know eventually I'm going to stop referring to last week, but I think it all just ties in to what I began last week when we were talking about time management. I introduced you to something called the time matrix. Now, I said it last week. I'll say it this week. I did not create this time matrix. I absolutely love it because just even being aware of this template of these four quadrants, it really makes you recognize where you're spending your time. So this is a tool. It's a template that Franklin Covey came up with. And I think it is so valuable. So there was Q1, quadrant one, which is really about urgency. These are important things we have to do, but it's out of necessity, right? And then quadrant two was where we choose to spend time, where we're working on relationships and where we're doing things that are leading us towards our life goals. So quadrant two is where we are most productive. Now, Quadrant three, if you will recall, um, this is the quadrant of distraction. And then quadrant four, which is what we need to get completely rid of, is the quadrant of waste. So when I thought about procrastination, I thought, my goodness, this just is all over quadrant three the quadrant of distraction, and quadrant four, the quadrant of waste. So hopefully some of you out there have really been noticing since you listened to my last podcast where you're spending your time because we're always saying we can't find the time, yet we all have the same amount of time in a day, but we want to make sure that we are recognizing where we're spending our time and that our time is actually taking us where we want to go. And I think that procrastination is just a huge part of what prevents us 
from achieving those most important tasks or getting to those wildly important goals. So avoiding procrastination is actually a time management tip that I did not cover in last week's show because I just thought I'd put it off for a little while. (laughs) Y'all get that? It's hard for me to do a fake laugh, but then when I crack myself up, I really start laughing. Um, Yeah, I thought I would just procrastinate. I'm talking about procrastination. No, I'm just kidding. It was all a plan because I thought there's enough to talk about here that we can make it an entire show. I truly believe that this is something that many people, not all people, but I think it's important, even if this isn't something that you struggle with, To really understand it more might help you relate more to people around you that you see procrastinating. But I do think this is something that many people struggle with, and it keeps people from feeling good about themselves, and it keeps you from contributing, and it also makes you doubt your abilities. Really, this has a very negative impact on your life. And you all know that I want every single one of you, yes, you, I want you to enjoy this good, good life. So that's why I thought it was worthy of an entire show. So let's keep the show going and let's talk about what is procrastination? We've talked about this paradox of procrastination. It's like you get a little bit of immediate relief, but then you have all this guilt and regret, right? Because you put things off. Um, And it's interesting when you think back to the time matrix that I just referenced. Oftentimes by you procrastinating, you are actually putting other people into that Q1 quadrant of urgency. Think about it because our actions can often impact others and what they get done. So what is procrastination? It is the act of unnecessarily and voluntarily delaying or postponing something despite knowing that there will be negative consequences for doing it. So did you know that as many as 20% of adults are chronic procrastinators and that the average person spends 55 days a year procrastinating? And this is across the world, okay? Research has been done and that there are as many as 20% of adults that are chronic procrastinators. So if on average, we're spending 55 days a year procrastinating for my procrastinators out there, man, I wish I had a dollar for every time I said that word, right? Anyway, this means that for every seven years you live You spend over a year procrastinating. (gasps) What? Yeah, we're basically losing a year of our life if we fall in this average of procrastination. I don't know 
know about you, but I don't want to lose time. I'm already looking for more of it, right? So we've all been there. It's 1 a.m. the night before you have to give a major work presentation, yet you cannot tear yourself away from Netflix so you can prepare for your presentation, right? Maybe you waited until the last possible minute to pick up a birthday gift and it was time to show up to the party. So you just decided to go empty handed because you put it off or Maybe you've been putting off calling your grandmother or an aunt or your grandfather. Maybe you've been putting this off for months, maybe even a year. Almost all of us can say that procrastination has just crept its way into our lives at some point. And nine times out of 10, it has really turned out badly. But with so many myths swirling around about how some people work best under pressure, sorry to break it to you, but they don't, or how procrastination may spur creativity, scientific research to back that up is nowhere to be found. Sorry again, it's really kind of hard to know what is what, right? So studies have suggested, and I'm giving a lot of background, but I just, I find it fascinating sometimes about what makes us do these things and the research behind it. And then, of course, I love to get to the solutions. So studies have suggested that procrastination is involuntary, that procrastinators often intend to work as hard as non-procrastinators, and that they are, there are correlations between procrastination and depression. Now, I am not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. This is just some things that I have learned along the way and that I have read. But when we procrastinate, We focus on the urgency of dealing with negative moods instead of the long-term benefits of actually completing the tasks that we're supposed to be working on. It's a bias that favors our short-term needs over our long-term ones. So it's kind of about that instant gratification. We don't really think about the consequences while we're in the middle of it. Psychologists emphasize that procrastination is a way of coping with unpleasant emotions like anxiety, self-doubt, or insecurity that can be triggered by certain tasks. We procrastinate because we can't manage our negative moods. Now, I want to pause there because I have had some incredible guests on the show talking about emotional intelligence, right? And a big part of our emotional intelligence is really our self-management. And that includes like our mood 
management. So we really need to understand all of these things. I mean, it all really works and ties together because this is going to help us in life and it's going to help us overcome some of these obstacles that we may face like procrastination. So we procrastinate because we can't manage our negative moods. Nevertheless, there are many myths about procrastination. Excuse me. And I want to share, there's many, there's many out there, but I want to share three of the most common myths or misconceptions about procrastination because this is a show that is to help you have more self awareness and social awareness, but also to help you. Find inspiration, hope, and techniques, and to feel good about how God created you and to overcome some of these bad habits that maybe you have developed over the years. So I think it's important for us to really talk about the misconceptions of procrastination. And even for my non procrastinators out there, I think this is really important to understand. And again, there's a lot of misconceptions about procrastination, but I'm just going to go over three of the most common myths. So here is myth number one about procrastination. People procrastinate because they're lazy. It's a myth. You are not lazy, and I I don't want you to feel bad about yourself if you tend to procrastinate. So people rarely procrastinate because of laziness. In fact, those who take on the most are often the ones who procrastinate because they are overwhelmed and believe that there isn't enough time in the day to get everything done which is why it is so important to understand time management that leads to productivity is about getting the most important things done, not everything done. But oftentimes when we see people procrastinating, we're like, what do they do all day? Trust me, they're not lazy. They're doing a ton of things, but it may not be the most important things, right? So there is a doctor and his his name is a little difficult to pronounce, so I'm going to do my best, but his name is Dr. Danis Jacquishianese, all right? I feel like I did that pretty well, um, even with my Southern accent. Okay, so Dr. Jacquishianese says, most people are surprised to learn that procrastination is an emotional regulation problem. Once they know that, Here we go. Self-awareness, right? That was my little commentary. But once they know that, they typically find it much easier to find behavior patterns and understand why they procrastinate. Only then can they actually manage their procrastination. So you're not lazy. You're just probably trying to get too many things done or 
You're distracted with some menial tasks that aren't your myths, your most important tasks. So myth number one, let's just bust it right now. The myth is people procrastinate because they're lazy. That is not true. Here is myth number two. People procrastinate because they lack time management skills. Here we go. It's a myth. Many people believe that they lack the time management skills necessary to complete all of their tasks. In reality, there's usually enough time, but people are distracted by their negative moods and emotions. Experts agree that time management is not the problem for a true procrastinator. People think that procrastinators are just lazy. We just talked about that, right? And that's not what's going on. It's an avoidance strategy. And I'm going to tell you where avoidance strategies come into play in our time matrix. Quadrant four. Quadrant of waste. Doing things that just aren't that important. So... There has been research proving that those that forgave themselves for procrastinating didn't procrastinate as much the second time around. Self-forgiveness is very important because if we don't forgive ourselves, we'll continue to avoid. It hinges on the notion that procrastination is not a time management problem. It's an emotion management problem. So isn't it interesting how emotional intelligence really connects with this topic of procrastination? So we just busted myth number two that it's a lack of time management skills. That's not true. It's a lack of emotion management problem. It's an emotional management problem. So... Again, I'm going to say go back and find some of my shows about emotional intelligence and some of the great um, guests that I've had, David Brzezowski, Drew Bird. I mean, I've had some great ones. I've talked about it. Um, It's one of my areas of certification. So this is not, you don't procrastinate because you lack time management skills. All right. And here is the third most common myth about procrastination. People procrastinate because their priorities are wrong or they don't have any prioritization. Think about it. How many times have people judged you and they've told you, you need to prioritize better. You have no prioritization skills. You know, your priorities are all wrong. This is a myth about procrastination because procrastination is rarely the result of prioritization because most people know where their priorities lie. The problem isn't that they can't prioritize. Rather, when they start to feel discomfort and unpleasant emotions from a task that should be completed, they give themselves an out. So this is what we call a procrastination excuse. 
These excuses give us a way to paint our procrastination as being an acceptable or understandable thing. Once we can justify it, it becomes easier and easier to just keep procrastinating. So experts agree that the most challenging part of procrastination is understanding and acting on your problem. So understanding the most common misconceptions about procrastination from this psychological point of view is a really good start. And that's why I really wanted to start with that. I wanted you to understand the procrastination paradox. I wanted you to really grasp the misconceptions around it so that you can have that self-forgiveness. And we're going to talk about that a little bit when we get into how we overcome procrastination. But I think it's really important for us to let this simmer a little within us, see what's resonating with you, what is penetrating your heart the most when I went over those myths. What have you been hearing from those around you if they perceive you as a procrastinator? But the first thing is you've got to really be honest with yourself. And, you know, do you procrastinate? But it's not necessarily for the reasons that people may think. You are not lazy. You do not lack time management skills, although you may need to improve upon them. And it's not that you don't have your priorities in order. So... Let that wash over you a little bit because we're about to take a very, very short break. But when we come back, I want to give you the different types of procrastinators. And then you know it, I've got a list of how we can help overcome procrastination. So, let everything wash over you for just a moment. We are going to take a very short break, but please do not go anywhere because you're not going to want to miss the information I'm about to share. So we'll be right back after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready to ignite your passion and purpose for life? Make sure you join Jan Jones each week for the Good Good Life podcast. Each week, Jan will share her expertise and insights into personal development as well as spiritual growth discoveries. From the challenges in the valleys to the victories on the mountaintops, Jan has persevered through all of them with unwavering faith and joy. Life is full of possibilities, and Jan wants to walk with you as you discover those possibilities and unleash your full potential. Rekindle the spark inside of you and rejoice in the good, good life with Jan Jones, where we will all love living and live loving. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. 
Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. If you have a question or want to share your story with Jan or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888 888- Three four six nine one four one. Now back to the show with Jan. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about procrastination on the good, good life, so that we can understand it a little bit more, be aware of it, identify maybe where and why we might be doing it, and begin the journey of overcoming it. So what I'd like to share next are some types of procrastinators. And I've already mentioned this once, but I just know for a fact that we cannot move forward. We cannot have really meaningful relationships. We cannot grow and develop if we do not start with ourselves. And we have got to have self-awareness. And I want you to know that uh, self-awareness is something that we can always be learning, gaining, and growing in. I don't want you to ever think that, you know, you've got yourself all figured it out because just when you think you've got yourself all figured out, something will come up in your life or you will have a a different approach or a different reaction than you've ever had before. And so, you know, we just need to always be aware of ourselves and we got to be honest It is really easy to look at other people and to kind of diagnose what their problem is, right? But we have got to look in the mirror and we've got to be honest. So I want to share these types of procrastinators. And I think this is such a great lesson in self-awareness. As I am going over these, I want you to think about what category you fall under if you do struggle sometimes with procrastination. Now, and it it may be all of them. It could be different categories at different times. Maybe you are a combination of some of these types of procrastinators. Um, but here, I'm not going to make you wait any further. I'm going to go over it. I've got six different types. So one type is the perfectionist. They put off tasks out of the fear of not being able to complete it perfectly. 
Yeah. And you know, I um I, I'm just gonna confess because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And I would say there are times that I don't start something because I feel like I can't spend the amount of time I need to at that moment to get it just so. Therefore, I might wait to start when I could have at least, you know, started it and made a little progress. So I actually have really been dissecting my perfectionism uh, trait that I have a little bit, just tiny little bit. And I know that my husband, Jim, is laughing out loud right now because I like to say that I'm not a control freak. I'm just a control enthusiast. And I want everything to just be so-so. Anyway, so that's one type of procrastinator is a perfectionist. Then number two would be dreamers. They put off tasks because they are not good at paying attention to the detail. So they're just dreaming of the big picture and they're like, let's just get to the vision. And they don't take the necessary steps, right? So you got your dreamers. Then number three, defier. They do not believe that someone should dictate their time schedule. So they kind of rebel a little and they procrastinate doing something that they know they need to do, but just because someone told them to do it, then they don't do it. So they're the defier. And then we may know some teenagers that fall under that category, right? (laughs) Anyway, then you've got number four, your worrier. They put off task out of fear of change or Fear of leaving the comfort of the known. And I'm using my air quotes, you know, just worried about if they step out there and they do something, it's an important goal, but they've held back. They just worry about all the change that may follow. And then number five type of procrastinator is the crisis maker. They put off tasks because they like working under pressure. And I've already shared before the break that there's really no scientific research that says working under pressure makes you more creative and better. It's just not true. And when you act as this kind of martyr, like you've waited and you've waited and then you scoop in and here I come to save the day, right? You're creating urgency and crisis and you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for a lot of people around you, but that's another type of procrastinator. I want you all to be thinking, where do you fall? And then number six, you've got your overdoers. They uh, take on too much and they struggle with finding time to start and complete a task. So which one or ones are you? A perfectionist, dreamer, defier, worrier, crisis maker, or overdoer? Just let that kind of be uh, the the backdrop for how we're going to help ourselves to stop procrastinating. Because I think, again, it's important for us to recognize, wow, what is all of this that's going on inside of me? And why am I doing this procrastinating? 
You know, am I too concerned or do I think I work better under pressure or am I just waiting till it's all going to fall perfectly into place and look perfect and be perfect and sound perfect? Because I'm going to tell you all right now, perfect is not anything that we as human beings can accomplish. And we tend to put that expectation on others, but yet we cannot deliver on it. Now, excellence we can achieve. But we'll get into all of that because this is part of the list that I want to share now on techniques to help stop procrastination. I got a pretty long list. I've got 12 techniques. And look, this isn't every way to stop, but it's 12 ways that you can help yourself to stop procrastinating. But there are many other techniques out there, but these are just some that I thought would be really helpful for us to talk about today. So here is number one, break your tasks into smaller, manageable steps. So Break the task down, break the goal down. For example, put them into subtasks that you can easily complete. Like, think of the next three steps that you need to take to achieve your goal. Or maybe think of something to do that doesn't require a break, that you can kind of do it in a short amount of time. So the first technique is to break the goal down. Now, that leads me to the second technique, which is commit to a tiny first step. It does not have to be big. Look, we're talking about procrastination. And doing anything is better than doing nothing. In fact... Theodore Roosevelt said something to that very effect. He said, in a moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing to do. The worst thing you can do is nothing. So technique number two, commit to a tiny, I have to say tiny like that, commit to a tiny first step. Maybe it truly is, you know what? I'm going to work on this project for five minutes. Hey, that's a victory because five minutes is better than no minutes, right? Number three is give yourself permission to make mistakes. We have to understand, and this is for all of my perfectionists out there, and it is, it can cause you to not begin, but We have got to accept that our work isn't always going to be perfect. In fact, it may rarely be perfect. It could be near perfect or very excellent, but we got to give ourselves permission to make mistakes along the way. Okay, so that is technique number three. Number four, make tasks a little more enjoyable. Maybe you listen to some music while you're working, right? Whistle while you work. Isn't that what um, Snow White said to do? I mean, she was very wise. So (laughs) make your tasks more enjoyable. Figure out a way to add a little fun to it, okay? Number five, 
make it harder to procrastinate. In other words, remove the distractions. Remember quadrant three, the quadrant of distraction. Have you been identifying what your distractions are? Maybe it is your phone. Put your phone in another room or turn it completely down. Turn off your message alerts. Every time we get a ping for an email or a text or a, you know, a a team's chat, every time we get an alert, we live in a world where we think we're going to get rewarded for how many messages we uh, answer, right? So remove the distractions. Don't have your social media pages like running in the background. So you just have to click on it and it opens. Just remove it. So make it harder for yourself to procrastinate. That is technique number five. Number six, set deadlines. By deciding that you're going to complete a certain task by a certain time, then it will help you begin the task. And you need probably, I'm guessing, if you're a procrastinator, you need an accountability partner for this. Set those deadlines. Look, we talked about planning last week as a time management tip. These things, these wildly important goals that you have, these most important tasks, they've got to be on your calendar and whatever shape, form, or whatever your calendar is. But you've got to give yourself deadlines because if you just say, oh, I'm going to do this this year, guess what? Another year will pass and you will not have done it. So set very specific deadlines. Like if you want to get something done by Tuesday of next week, what time on Tuesday do you want to have this done? Is it noon? Is it two o'clock? Is it by five o'clock? So be specific with your deadlines. Okay, there's technique number six. Number seven, we're moving right along. Identify and address your fears. This one can be scary, no pun intended, right? But I mean, what, what are you afraid of? What is holding you back from really moving forward? And here's a way that you can really address these fears. You've got to recognize what they are, but ask yourself, what advice would you give to a friend that's coming to you? Because hey, we're all pretty good about giving some good advice. Now, I wouldn't recommend giving it until someone asks for it, but you know, what would you tell a dear friend? What kind of good advice would you give them about achieving their goals, about moving past their fear? And I have had several shows about courage and about, you know, really overcoming your self-doubt, knowing that you've got this, whatever the this is. So identify what your fears are and address them with your own advice. Number eight, we need to learn to increase our motivation. 
And guess what? I've had a show about motivation. So go back and find it. But we need to, you know, really celebrate our victories, whether it is noticing like a streak of days where you actually did meet your own deadlines or you met someone else's deadlines for you, or, you know, really recognizing your past accomplishments and reflecting on that success, because this will really increase your motivation to keep feeling that way. Remember, this is about the emotions that are holding you back. And it's not that you're lazy. It's not that you can't prioritize. And it's not that you can't manage your time. You just need to hone in on your time management skills. But Increasing your motivation and remembering these feelings of success and achievement and marking it on your calendar. I mean, give yourself a big smiley face or a big gold star when you've had three solid days where you really dove in and you didn't procrastinate. Because then you're going to want to see more smiley faces or more gold stars, right? I mean, who didn't love getting a gold star when they were a kid in school? So this is going to help you with technique number eight to stop procrastinating is learn to increase your motivation. Now, number nine on this list, because I am trying to move right along, is we need to really tap into our energy. So I want you to figure out how you can increase your energy. And look, this may be really allowing yourself to take breaks. And guess what I would do? I would schedule those breaks. Remember earlier, I talked about really breaking down your goals, but also committing to that tiny first step. I just have to stick with that. Um, So even if you're just going to work for five minutes, then give yourself a break, right? Take a little break. Keep your energy levels going. Or if you don't feel like you need the break right then, then keep going because you're in a zone. But taking care of yourself, getting proper rest, nutrition, all the things that are really healthy for us, they're going to help with our energy levels, all right? So increase your energy. Maybe that is taking a walk around your office or your house or your block, you know, during lunch, getting some fresh air. There's lots of ways you can increase your energy. Number 10 is to improve your environment. So eight was increase your motivation. Nine was increase your energy. 10 is to improve your environment. Now, what I mean by that, just a few examples, remove all the clutter, get organized. This is going to really help you focus on what's important. So maybe one of your wildly important goals is to get organized. Because if you're not there yet, This is important for you to do because it's only going to help your environment so that you don't procrastinate because the messier things get, the more overwhelmed you get and you're seeing it. You've just got piles everywhere. It's not where it needs to be. And then what do you do? You go back to that immediate gratification of putting it off. And then there's that snowball effect of procrastination. So... 
remove the clutter, get organized, put reminders visually where you can see them of your goals. And, you know, we talked last week about, you know, how you connect to your mission and your roles and your goals. But who is it that you want to be? What contribute? What contributions do you want to make? And put those somewhere where you see them. Let them be your screensaver. Put them on sticky notes somewhere. You know, have reminders. But this is going to help improve your environment when you actually can see what you're trying to achieve. You know, what is that vision, that beacon across the water that says, that's where I want to be? All right, number 11. I only have two more. Number 11 is use your time management techniques. Yes, go back, listen to my last show because there are some great tips in there and use them, practice them, hone in on those time management skills and techniques that you have, but you're just not using them intentionally. And here's number 12. Where's my drum roll? Okay, anyway, uh, that was a terrible drum roll. I gotta work on that. I need some sound effects. Um, Number 12, develop self-compassion. We hear this, I talk about this under many topics, but it's important. We have to remind ourselves that everyone really does make mistakes. Self-compassion involves extending sympathy to yourself, particularly when you are struggling or you're suffering through something. So you need to increase your self-compassion. And there's a few ways you can do that. Remind yourself that everyone struggles and they make mistakes. I promise, I promise. You're not the only one that makes mistakes. I promise you that. Um, Another way you can practice and increase your self-compassion is to forgive yourself for your past procrastination. Today is a new day. You're not going to do it the same way today. Remind yourself that messing up doesn't mean that you'll never change. You can change. You just have to be intentional. Another way you can increase your self-compassion is think about how you would help a friend in a similar situation. And that goes back to improving your uh, motivation, right? And improving your uh, environment and giving that advice, you know, identifying those fears that you would give to someone else. What would you do for yourself? And then practice mindfulness. Really check in with yourself. So if you will recall for that time matrix and just where we spend our time, every minute of our day is in one quadrant of that time matrix. And I said, you need to check in with yourself. If you're feeling a little more snappy towards people, if you're stressed out, if you know, if you're just not thinking clearly, you've probably been in that urgent mode for too long. And what can you do in this mindfulness state of mind that will get you back into that quadrant two of better productivity and really working towards the goals that you've set and not the goals that someone else has, you know, pulled you into? 
So there it is. There are 12 ways that you can begin to uh, work on your procrastination. And I want to tell you something. Remember, don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. I'm going to remind you of the quote that I shared last week because I think it is worth repeating. I've had so many people say they loved it. Harvey McKay said, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. I am so grateful for you. And until we are together again, I hope you love living and live loving. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. We hope today was meaningful for your personal journey. We'll be back next week. Until then, continue to love living and live loving.